We're here to praise our Lord, declare how wonderful He is, the mighty name of Jesus. Would you join with me as we declare His praise? Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory.
We did this song during the night of worship, so we're going to do it again. But I want to read something out of 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control.
God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb whose name is Jesus. Let's proclaim Jesus' name over our lives this morning. Peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break at your name and still call the sea to still the rage in me to still every way at your name and jesus jesus you make the darkness tremble jesus jesus you silence fear and jesus jesus you make the darkness Oh, Jesus. 
claim Jesus' name over darkness, over fear, over anxiety. Let's proclaim his name. Yeah. 
Welcome, everybody. We have a little bit more production coming on over here. Don't mind them for a second, but welcome to Camarillo Community Church. My name's David Hurtado. In case you're new to us, uh, welcome to our church. We want to welcome you online. If you're on the patio right now, if you're uh, uh, in the building or in our worship venue, I want to take a couple of seconds and just thank those of you who are in the worship venue, maybe even right now, or maybe you're walking over right now, or you're in the room after worship. Thank you so much for embodying this, the humility to do that for us. I know depending on the song, the different dynamics of the song, some songs are louder in nature than others, and some that fits their preferences, and some that just hurts their ears. And I just appreciate all those who say, I'm going to find the mechanism to make this my church and be here and support my church as we try to reach another generation as well. The fact of the matter is the younger generation just it doesn't hurt their ears yet. <laughs> That's the way it works. And so they like it louder. And so as we're trying to be a multi-generational church, when you do that, and whether it's wearing earplugs or going to the, to the worship venue, it is just a wonderful model of Christ-like humility. And so thank you for doing that for us and being willing to do that for us. Um, I want to start today with an illustration that I need to warn you will kind of raise the hairs on the back of your neck a little bit by the end of it. So at the very end of this thing, you're going to go, oh, not going to enjoy that. And uh, I, I mentioned that to you because I want to let you know. I let you know ahead of time. I, I gave you a warning. And secondly, if you have children in the room, I, we do have a children's ministry for a reason, and, and it might be just enough time. I planned it out so you could go take them right now, and they would miss that portion of it. But the, uh, the summer is ending, and, um, and we know that because kids are going back to school next week. And uh, if you're like me, the majority of your vacations for the summer is over. Uh, you, I had a, earlier this month, we had our last vacation. We did like a 10-day camping trip at um, Refugio State uh, Campgrounds. It's just outside of Goleta. Um, one of the uh, people in our church uh, got the group site and invited a ton of us to go camping together for, for uh, a good weekend or so. And so I, uh, that's why I missed a weekend. I was out there. I still went to church, but I just didn't go here because it was too far away. Uh, but um, Anyway, so we went camping together. If you've ever been to that campground, you can hear the ocean right on the bluff where your group campsite is all day long, like morning, noon, and night. All you hear is waves, which for me is like glorious. Or some people are like, I can't sleep. Like, I, man, I'm in a trance the whole week. I read like three books. And some people are like, is that really a vacation? Yes, it is for me. And so uh, I had a wonderful time there with the several families from our church. And so uh, that was a wonderful time to be together. And one of the families was kind of talking about, reminiscing about the summer. And we all talked about what we did that summer and different trips we took and whatnot. And this one particular family said, well, we had like a family reunion camping trip, another camping trip earlier in the summer, kind of early to mid-summer. And we went, uh, it wasn't in this state, but it was an adjacent state, and it was one of those a national renowned kind of famous national uh, um, uh, grounds to go camping like a national park type of thing and I'm not saying the name of the park on purpose and you'll see why in a second but as she said she went, went there we had several in our extended family go we went out there and we had the tents and whatnot and, and we were able to camp together and we found out that this particular national state park or or national so national park uh, there was like a ranger Q&A like a like a, uh, the rangers the official park rangers set up this morning where you could bring your children bring the family you could do a Q&A with the park Ranger, which this lady was like, this is awesome. This is great. It's like, it doesn't cost any extra money. We take our kids. They go there. They ask the park rangers about trees and, and mountains and rocks and whatnot. And, and this would be a great learning experience for our children. They had like a four and five-year-old who are going. It's they wake up early. They go there. The ranger does her little spiel and does this whole thing. And, and they're learning all the whole way. And then all of a sudden the ranger says, you know what? Let's do this. 
I have these little sheets here that have like little park rangers on them. And I would like you to color yourself into the park ranger. So you can color in, you can draw in, whatever. And at the very end, I want you to show everybody your park ranger and tell them your name and whatnot, all these things. And you know, if it's a boy, for me, it's a boy, a girl, you know, all these kind of things. And so you draw it all into these other things. And little Susie's like, I'm a park ranger, I'm a girl. And then little Dre's like, I'm a park ranger, I'm a boy. You know, and they're showing them, they look at the, I, I put a hat on mine, I have it, you know. And all these little things, and it goes around the circle, and everybody's clapping for everybody's park ranger. It's like, this is great. We came here, we have Q&A, we learned about nature, we learned about this wonderful national park, and it was a learning thing. It was a great way to start off the morning. And then the park ranger said, okay, did we get everybody? Everybody showed their, yes, everybody showed their little thing. Great. Did anybody, as a park ranger says to the children, did anybody draw themselves as non-binary? Because that's what's that's what a four and five year old kid needs to worry about, right? Being whether or not they're non binary or not. <laughs> Instantly, these silly kids look up to their mom and go, What is non binary? And she's like, Let's go. She grabs them and appropriately walks away. And you might be thinking to yourself, Man, that just brings a disdain inside. Like there's an inner negative disposition to that for me. And by the way, if you're a Christian and you're living life through the lens of the scriptures and the Bible, you're living life according to a biblical worldview, a Judeo-Christian worldview, it should do something like that inside of you. Don't, don't feel bad about that. When things are, 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 are the opposite of God and the righteousness of God, it's okay to have like a holy anger, a holy negative disposition towards things that are unrighteous. And a great job, mom, to take her kid and say, you know what, I'm not... We're not you know, I, I'm going to one day have those conversations, but not when they're four and five years old. And, and by the way, as a complete side note, for you parents, I just want to let you know, this is part and parcel of where we are societally and where we are going societally. And, and you can't move away from it. Like it wasn't in California. Is that surprising? It was in an adjacent state that I won't say the name of or the national park because of obvious reasons. It's our job as parents, and please hear me, parents. It's our job as parents to communicate to our children, to help them understand how and why we live the way we live, to help them understand this is how we process this through our worldview. And people are going to have different opinions. And yes, that's a, they can have their opinion, and we can have ours. But we believe, if we believe the God of the Scriptures is true, this is why we believe what we believe. And we help them along, and we teach them how to live in this world, but not of this world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. We are to teach them to be in this world and not of this world. Not to love this world, but we can't leave it. God hasn't called us to leave it. And there's some things you can't leave. You think you're leaving it, you're going to another state, and it's still there. That's our job. Now, I'm not saying that we should introduce these concepts of four and five-year-olds, but I'm just saying age-appropriately, it's our job to communicate with them. It's our job to kind of help them along. We don't want them to be scared to talk to us and then go find their information in some other place. I'll give you an example. I have like, uh, you know, I have a gal heading into the 18-year-old adult world and I have a, a gal going into preteen. So I got the full gamut at my house. All right. And we were having a conversation, my wife and I, with our 18, it's an 18-year-old variety conversation. And so she's talking to us and whatever, and we're answering questions. And again, we try to keep like an open door policy. You can ask us and we'll age appropriately answer questions for sure. Uh, you know, we're not going to go too far, but we're also not going to be reactive. We want to be a little proactive as well. And so we're finding that balance. And so we're talking to our 18-year-old and our 11-year-old catches wind of the discussion. And she goes, 
what does that mean? And we're like, oh, don't worry about it. It has nothing to do with you. We're talking to our 18-year-old, 18-year-old discussion. You know, uh, you know has, oh, no problem. I'll Google it. We're like, no, no, no. Don't Google it. No, no, no. Fine, we'll tell you. We'll tell you. We'll tell you. Don't, don't Google it. And by the way, isn't that appropriate? We would rather her hear it from us than to go on Google and find the answers. And when we do not give our kids the answers, that's what they'll do. That's what they'll run and do. We need to be actively involved with them. Please hear me. Don't leave them to themselves. Don't leave them to find out information from their friends, from TV, from media. Get in discussions with them. Well, anyway, that's a complete side note. But why would you start off the message with an illustration that gives you such a visceral reaction? For, for, for Bible-believing Christians who go, man, that's so the opposite of how God would have it if we believe the scriptures. And again, I want you to have that reaction. I think that's a good reaction to have. Again, we're to be in this world, not of this world. We still need to love everybody in the world. We need to figure out how to balance all that out. Why would I do that to you? I'll tell you why I did that to you. And I did it purposely and strategically. Because there are some notions some societal notions that we are just abhorrent about. Oh, I can't believe that. It's so the opposite of God. And yet there's some other societal notions. There's some societal slogans and adages that we actually buy into. And we don't have that visceral reaction. Today we're going to look at a couple of those, and we're not going to have the visceral reaction. And I want you to remember how that felt. Because sometimes we should have a visceral reaction when we don't. Does that make sense? So as we go through today, remember that feeling you had in your gut. And like, oh, because we're going to talk about things that don't make us feel that way. But they might should. They might should make us feel that way. Where is the inner negative disposition, the inner funk on these issues is what we'll find. So today we'll look at uh, um, some societal notions as it relates to our wealth that may have crept into our minds and our hearts. Like we're, we're like, we, we embody them. Even though they're unbiblical. And we'll ask questions like where are we off and, and how can we correct this? How do our priorities find, our way, uh, find their way off base? And how does a change in mindset solve this problem? What secular values have we bought into? And what is the appropriate course correction? If you have your Bible today, I'd love for you to turn to Luke chapter 12. Go ahead and open your Bible. Take out your phone. If you're online with us, certainly open up a new window and get to the Word of God. Luke chapter 12 will be in there. And then we'll also go a little later. We'll go to Rome, uh, sorry, Revelation chapter 3 just so you can get your finger there. Uh, Luke chapter 12, we'll look at verses 13 through 21 today. The overarching question is, what societal notions should be resisted as it relates to our material wealth? There are some societal notions or societal adages or slogans that are out there that really should be resisted if we really take our Bible seriously, and yet sometimes we're tempted not to do it because we embody those adages. So what societal notions should we resist as it relates to our material? What the first one is going to be that bigger is better. Bigger is better. I mean, why isn't it better? If it's bigger, it's better. I want it better. I want more. Bigger is better is a societal notion that we should probably question and ask how biblical is it. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21 together. It says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, speaking of Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist 
in the abundance of his possessions. That is a very underlinable, highlightable, circleable kind of place. If you brought your Bible and you have a pencil, I'd love for you to underline that. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. There's more to this world than just what you have or what you possess. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, larger ones. Build it bigger. Bigger is better. And there I will store my grain for my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Another underlinable one. So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and then underline, and is not rich towards God. What societal notion should be resisted as it relates to our material wealth? The first one is that bigger is better. The notion that bigger is better. It's interesting. That's a notion I think we can all agree on that we espouse, or we, it's like a, a societal norm that we would probably even say, man, there's been some times where I've kind of embodied it myself. Bigger is better. It's an interesting story. A guy comes up to Jesus and he, and he kind of goes, hey, uh, I need you to help me on something. You're a, a guy who represents God and you're supposed to stand up for justice. Well, there's something unjust happening here. My brother won't share the inheritance with me. Very likely, his brother was the older brother. The older brother was in charge of, of dispersing the inheritance, kind of the executor of the state. The older brother, according to Old Testament times, would get two portions of the estate uh, so that, because he's the firstborn, carry on the family name, but also, if there's any family issues, it was his responsibility to take on. Like, he's supposed to take on the caring of his mother now that the father's passed away. Does that make sense? Because of that, he gets a double portion of the inheritance. But this brother has not only got a double portion of the inheritance, he's not giving his younger brother what's due him. And the young brother's going, I just want my fair share. Hey, Jesus, can you tell my brother to give me my fair share of the inheritance? He's stealing it from me. You're supposed to stand up for righteousness. What do you say about that? And Jesus, almost like seeing right through the man's request, understand that there's a bigger issue in the man's heart. It's a heart of greed. So he says to them, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possession. This guy has a problem. Does he have money or does money have him? Does he have possessions or does his possessions have him? It has become an overwhelming thing for him. It is now his God, and I'm going to deal with that rather than deal with his request. Which, by the way, your brother's not here. So if he was here, I could deal with him and his heart. But since you're here, let me deal with your heart. I can see right past everything you're saying here. Your issue is greed. It's not saying that it's inappropriate desire, appropriate inheritance. He's saying that that desire is ruling him. So a young man runs to him and says, would you please judge my brother's actions? And instead, Jesus says, how about I judge your motivation? By the way, isn't it interesting how we can be so ready to point out the unrighteousness of someone else when it disproportionately affects us? but we sometimes don't miss what's going on in our own heart. That's way too applicable. Let's, let's leave that alone. And so anyway, so the guy runs up to him. He goes, I'm going to deal with your heart. In fact, let me tell you a story. 
And he's kind of using this story as an object lesson to hopefully like jar this guy out of this funk that he's in. Like, like the hands of greed are wrapped around his heart and he's trying to jar the hands off of his heart. So I don't know what I'll do. I'll share a story with you and maybe you'll see it. And he tells this story about a rich man, starting in verse 20, or, or, or verse uh, uh, 17. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store the crops. So much overwhelming, I don't even know what to do. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store the grain and my goods. I know what I'll do. I'll build it bigger. Bigger is better. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Man, super responsible. And God says to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you, and the things you prepared, whose will they be then? They'll be given to your kids, or the state will take it. Verse 21, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The issue is not being rich towards God. There are several ironies in this little story that I would love to point out for us. The first one is that we can be all wrapped up in storing, tre storing up treasures for ourselves, and yet those treasures may never be used on ourselves. Such an irony. We can spend most of our lives like putting away and putting away, putting away, and, 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 and being kind of frugal towards God. And in the process, you realize you could die one day, have a heart attack, and then that goes to, you don't even see any of it. One irony. Another irony. We can get so wrapped up in our own self-sufficiency as the provider of peace, but self-sufficiency will not provide you any peace on the last day of your life on earth. You can think I'm self-sufficiently in control. I controlled everything. I look, it's all under control. But you will not have control on the last day of your life. Another one. We can convince ourselves that relaxation comes as a byproduct of our own preparation. And yet none of our physical preparations can ever help us find eternal rest. Like, like we think we're in charge, like we're in control. And that, that's where we'll find our relaxation. But you won't find eternal rest in that. Lastly. We can convince ourselves that prioritizing the kingdoms on this earth is advantageous to us. But the only things, only things that we do for God on earth are recorded in heavenly accounts. Is it really advantageous to build kingdoms on earth? Or is it more advantageous to build kingdoms in heaven? See, we think we got it all figured out. He's like, hey, this day, you're going to be, you can be off this earth. What happens then? And by the way, no matter how rich you are, we all come to an end. I mean, think of like Steve Jobs having cancer, all the money in the world, but can't solve that problem for him. All these ironies. And the reason we look past all these things is because we say to ourselves, bigger is better. Is it really? Certainly not biblically. This is always funny to me. Because people say, oh, the Bible's not relevant today. It's an ancient document written 2,000 years ago. It's not relevant to, our, to what we deal with today. Really? <laughs> bigger was better in the first century, and bigger is better today. I mean, there's some things that just cross over, apparently. I, you don't believe me, so I'll, I'll prove it to you. Uh, I did some research this week. By the way, this is just regular Google research. You can, you can do this yourselves. The average home size in 1950, 1950, the average home size for new houses being built. So companies come, they want to build a new track home, whatever. I'm going to build these homes. What was the average size they built in 1950? 983 square feet. 
uh, the average family was about three and a half people per house. So there's three and a half people living in 983 square feet, which means there's about 280 square feet per person. To be content in 1950 was to have about 300 square feet per person in the house. All right, 1950, 983 square feet were the new home builds, the average home build in 1950. 1960, that went up to 1,200 square feet. 1970, that went up to 1,500 square feet. 1990, that went up to 2,080 square feet. Bigger is better. Now, at 2015, it got all the way up to 2,467 square feet. For 3.14 people in the house, so we're, our, house, our house size, the number of people in our house size is getting smaller, and the houses are getting bigger. And it's seven, almost 800 square feet per person to be content. 2015, we need 2,467 square feet. We need 800 square foot per person to be content in our homes. Why? Because bigger is better, baby. <laughs> you might be right now selling your house and getting a bigger one. And you're leaving church feeling all kinds of awkward. <laughs> Now listen, I don't want us to get in a spinning contest, see whose house is bigger and whose house is smaller and who's godlier because of it. I live in a, in a house with 1,850 square feet. I mean, I'm not living in a small, there's six people in it though. Anyway, that's funnier in my mind. But, anyway, it's a, you know, but that's not the whole thing. Like they're gonna grow up and they're gonna get out of the house. They're gonna leave one day. They're gonna, oh Lord Jesus, please let them leave out of the house. They're gonna leave one day and go, and are we gonna downsize? I don't know. We don't have any plans to downsize. You didn't downsize, you ungodly, ungrateful. What's the point of the whole thing? The whole point of the whole thing that Jesus is saying is there is such an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God right here while you're on earth and instead you invest in materialism that you can't take with you when you die. It's not that homes and square footage is wrong. It's that in comparison to what you're willing to sacrifice so you can give to the purposes of God, it's out of whack. out of whack. Well, what are some other societal notions that we should be mindful of? What societal notions should we resist as it relates to our material? Well, number one is bigger is better. It's not necessarily true. It's certainly not biblically true. Bigger is not better, spiritually speaking, in the spiritual realms. The second one is that wealth solves all of our problems. It's another societal notion that we buy into. We don't necessarily have a visceral reaction to that. We just go, yeah, that's true. If I had more money, it would solve a lot of problems. Wealth solves all our problems, and, 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 and to speak on that, I'd like to go to Revelation chapter 3. So turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. We'll look at verses 14 through 18 together, and it says this. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you'd be either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Why? This, I, I bet you never saw this before. Why? Verse 17, for, I say, for you say I am rich and I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so you'll be rich 
and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness not be seen, the solve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. What societal notion should be resisted as it relates to material wealth? Wealth solves all problems. You may think that material wealth solves all your problems, but it can't solve one big one for you. It can't help the state of your soul before God. In fact, you can have all that you have. You can have prospered yourself. You can become rich and need nothing on earth, and that can't buy your ticket into heaven. You can move to Prosper, Texas, and not prosper. By the way, Prosper, Texas is an actual town in Texas. I've been there. You can move to Prosper, Texas, and not prosper. He says, of all your material richness on the earth, I evaluate you as poor spiritually. He likens it to water. I wish you were hot water. If you were hot water, we could use it to cook with or to clean. I wish you were cold water. If you were cold water, we could use it to drink. But instead, you're lukewarm in water. And, and what is that good for? Nothing. It's good for nothing. You spit it out. There's nothing useful about it. He says, I, I'd have you buy gold from me. This is such an interesting thing. See, we buy things all the time. Materially, we're buying necklaces and whatever. Or we buy gold and we put it in ourselves. It looks nice. He said, I'd rather you buy gold from me. Totally refined, purely refined. You can't find it anywhere else. It's as if he's saying, you need to stop, start making your purchases at another department store. One that doesn't charge you tax, but instead will reap a reward for your investment in eternity. Stop getting your gold from out there. Get it from me. You think you're rich, but you're actually poor. You've been making investments into this material kingdom and this material world. And it's time for you to start making investments in the kingdom of God. You see, it's possible to be materially rich and yet spiritually poor. It's also possible to be spiritually rich while you're being materially poor. The question becomes, which will you prioritize? Which will you prioritize? That brings me to the big idea. It'll be on the screen. It says this. Rich and poor are as much spiritual concepts as they are material concepts. Rich, to be rich and to be poor are as much spiritual concepts as they are material concepts. We think of them only materially. Am I rich? I don't got enough money. Uh, I'm poor. Uh, you know, I, I do have enough money. All, we, we, we filter through the physicality, material nature of that. But the Bible is trying to say, you do understand this, this is spiritual concepts too. Like there's a theology of being rich. The theology of being poor. You can be rich in God, you can be poor in God. While you're worried about the physical material, God's worrying about the spiritual. And so rich and poor are as much spiritual concepts as they are material concepts. The question is, which one are we running after? The material or the spiritual? All right. We're going to get super, super, super duper practical now. And... Um, I want to warn you that the creativity that went into this, um, I just don't want you to expect it every week because it's not going to happen every week. But the Hurtados went to the craft store this week and got some stuff. And uh, I have to say, uh, I have to give credit to my, my son, Sebastian, who's our resident artist. He made this for me out of sticks and an S. This basket is going to represent our lives. And it's going to represent like our financial priorities in our lives. 
But not only our financial priorities in our lives, our, our financial obligations. What sometimes what starts out as a priority becomes a financial obligation, like when you have a note for a car or, or you have debt or those things. These are the things that we have prioritized and they become obligations, things that must be paid. Every month, every year, they're the things that must be paid. Now, we're going to start off right because we're all Christian. We're all in the house. We love Jesus. And so we're going to start off with our God piggy bank. And because we all love God, we're going to set aside some money for the Lord. And we're going to put this in the piggy bank. And isn't it beautiful? It's a Hobby Lobby, 50% off. And, uh, and, and, you know, when you give to the Lord, you get a crown. You see that? It has a little crown on it. Can you guys, can they zoom in? Oh, yeah, it is. Look, look at it. A little crown when you give to Jesus because he's going to reward you for, for doing what's right. And so we're all believers in Jesus Christ. We all set aside uh, resources for the Lord because somebody set aside resources that got, allowed me to hear the gospel and get saved. I want to now set aside resources so that God can save somebody else. And so I'm going to place that at the very center of our lives, because it's important. And it's appropriately at the very center, at the very beginning, it's our first fruits. And so, that's number one. Now, there is something else that takes up a lot of our finances. A lot. Can anybody guess what it is? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the house, right? It's uh, whether you, uh, Hobby Lobby again, I didn't have time to paint it. But anyway, um, you know, this is, a, you know, your rent payment, your mortgage payment. I want you to think about everything as it relates to your home uh, that, that you could classify as housing. Uh, this all is represented, that's why it's big. It's a big part of our box because it takes a lot. I mean, this is your insurance bill. This is your gas bill, your, your electric bill, your water bill, your trash bill. This is the lawn mowing company that comes in and mows your lawns. This is the outside painting of the house. You put new windows in last year. You put a new garage door in last year. This is your interior floors that you just changed out, the interior doors that you just changed out. This is the new kitchen, the new restroom, whatever. Solar goes in here. Everything that you pay for, insurances, taxes, property taxes, all of it, that's why it's so big, it takes up a good, if you were to sit down and look at the percentage of your income that goes towards your house, it's a significant amount. And that's why it's so big, that goes right inside as well. And so we have that goes there. Not too far behind it would be something else. I got this, is cool, it's like a little Chevrolet. And it has like, it shows you the little engine in there. I used to love this stuff when I was a kid. Um, Anyway, and so I got a little convertible car, and, and I want this to represent like everything that goes into all financial pieces that go into you maintaining your vehicle. This is tires, it's oil changes, it's tune-ups, it's, it's the payment on the car every month, it's the insurance for the car, it's re, DMV registration, everything, tax and license, anything you do with your car that you need, tinted windows, whatever you do to it, that goes right there, it is the car. Now, most of us have two cars, and so I got Zach a Jeep because he always whines about how he had to lose his Jeep because, you know, he gave it up for his, his family or whatever. First world problem, Zach, thank you for letting us know. And uh, here's your Jeep, Zach. So we all have two cars, so we put them in there. And, oh, this is a good one. Check this out. You know what this is? This is, this is Air Jordans. Let this represent, like, every time we feel like we got to give our kids something. All right? Uh, like, we got to give, I mean, we don't want them to get, like, the knockoff version at Kmart, which Kmart's not open anymore, but I don't remember, I don't know the knock, knockoff store today anymore. But we got to get them the swoosh. It's got to have the Nike swoosh. It's got to be an Air Jordan. By the way, I looked it up this week. If you want to get original Air Jordans from 1985, it'll cost you $1,500 on eBay for a used pair. All right? They're very expensive. And so I got to get my kid Jordans because I want him to walk on campus and I want him to see and that, that's my kid wearing Jordans, not McGregor's from... <laughs> 
I, I was a kid who walked in with McGregor's. Um, I just had a flashback. All right. Anyway. <laughs> That's so awesome. All right, so we'll sneak this in here. This is everything from, like, um, you know, uh, you know uh, sports teams, club teams, everything we do for our kids, we got to prioritize. Oh, yeah, here we go, here we go. This is the bling bling right here, baby. We got to wear the chains. Now, this is for sale. Somebody asked me after the first hour, would you sell that? Yeah, 1000 bucks, no problem. Um, and so this represents every necklace and earring and, and, and ring and diamonds and, and everything. You know, it's a cufflinks. It's the, it's the nice watch. It's whatever. We've got to look nice. We've got to be looking good, right? And so that represents all the things, that we, the monies that we prioritize for, for looking real good and stuff. And, and what else? Oh, let's see. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is a game controller, right? Let this represent everything that we do to entertain ourselves, all right? So this is like the shows, whether you like musicals or whether you like Vegas-style shows or you like football or baseball or whatever it is that you like doing on the side. You have your little car that you, you like to mess with in the garage. Whatever we do to entertain ourselves, we have a, a portion of our life committed to that. Okay, we're starting to have issues here. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Okay, good. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You ladies thought you are getting off the hook. This is for beautification. Yeah, this is a, this is a, a you know, a blow dryer. But this is all the money that we spend on beautification products. Makeup, uh, hair appointments, makeup appointments, uh, you know, uh, going to the spa and getting a massage. Uh, all the things that we do for beautification. Clothes, whatever it might be that we uh, spend on beautification right here. Manny's and petties, which, listen, ladies, I'm not judging you. My wife took me one time to get a pedicure, and they took off so much dead skin at the bottom of my feet. I thought to myself, if every man knew what kind of dead stuff's living on their foot, they'd go at least once every three years. Now, I know you can spend like $120 on your toes, but I'm not judging you because last week I spent that much on like my new, you know, parka jersey for the 49ers, got a hat, got shoes. So, so I'm not judging you. We're, we're, we're just different type thing. But beautification products right there, right? Oh, oh, wait, I can't forget this. We got to go on vacation. Vacation has got to be a part of this thing. So somehow we got to get vacation in on there. I was told do not break this. This is like priceless. So... Uh, Delta Airlines. Yeah, we got to go on every once a year at least. We got to go on vacation. We got to go to Cabo. We got to make sure that that's in there as well. And then we come down to everything. We're like, okay, oh wait, we forgot groceries. <laughs> like we have to get groceries. We have to eat. Like you can't live life without milk, right? You have to eat. You have to drink. And, 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 and uh, that's a have to. Like we won't live for a week if we don't have it. And so where am I going to put this in here? To fit this in here, and what we end up doing is we just like, let me take this, see I can move. I can get this over here. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll take this out. I'll put this. There we go. We have to have groceries. I think I got it to fit. Perfect. And what we do is we say, you know, we'll make this exchange for right now. We'll take this out of our priorities in our life. We'll put this over here. Because we have to have groceries. And by the way, we do have to have groceries. And I'm not saying that you should limit your groceries, but I am saying there's other things in the box that were in there a little earlier that have become maybe obligations that we're indebted to that we didn't take out, but we did take this out. And as we make that exchange, I wonder if we're thinking to ourselves that rich and poor are as much spiritual concepts as they are material concepts. Like that's a spiritual issue. And I may be rich materially, but now I've become poor spiritually. 
And what if I was to go back in there and rearrange all the priorities and look at these things differently? I have this one family in our church, and God bless this lady, comes up to me. David, don't stop talking about it. Keep on talking about it. It was when we were younger, and we decided to make this a priority in our lives, that we went back over here, and we reprioritized everything. We put everything in its little corner, and we took some things out. But this one stayed in the center the whole time. That was the whole goal. And in doing that process to figure out how we could live on 90% so we can give the Lord 10%, we prioritized everything. And I feel like we're living better now because we're so strategically planned. Like I feel like we take more vacations than we would have taken if we had 100% because we were just spending flippantly. But here this made us like organize everything, prioritize everything. It wasn't just giving to God. We are better off for retirement now. We're better off on vacations now. We're better off on everything in our lives because it caused us to be responsible and make a plan, a budget for everything we do. Please don't stop talking about it, David. Young families need it. You don't, they don't realize the blessing is going to, this isn't even all the full blessing. You'll get a blessing in heaven for sure. But just having this organized, you'll be greatly blessed on this earth. Don't stop talking about it. And I want to tell you something. Maybe the take home for you is the next time we do Financial Peace University, this church, we offer that class. Take it. It's a great class. My wife and I took it several years ago. We were trying to get into a house. So we're trying to streamline, organize that better so we can get into a house. And it's a great methodology of making sure that you keep God at the center and at the same time being responsible with everything going on financially in your house. So that your money doesn't have you, but you have your money. So your money doesn't like control you, but you control your money. Maybe the take home for you is when we turn the year in January and we offer Financial Peace University, I'm, I'm in it. I'm gonna get this figured out. And I'm gonna get this priority set straight. You can find yourself living materially rich and you can find yourself living spiritually poor. Wouldn't it be better to find yourself materially poor and yet spiritually rich. Bigger is better. Wealth solves everything. They're not exactly notions that cause a visceral reaction inside ourselves. Go, oh, that's not true. It's not how God sees it. They don't inspire those notions in our heart. It's because sometimes we buy into the bigger is better. And sometimes we believe that money solves everything. Biblically speaking, it doesn't. So does it bring up a visceral notion in our hearts? No. But it might should. It might should. If you're a non-believer here, you're not a follower of Christ, I want to let you, just let you know this is not our regular rhythm. We don't talk about this all the time. But it is important for you to know that we're not scared to talk about anything Jesus talked about. We're not. If you're looking for a church, expect that out of our church. He talks about it. He talks about it a lot. We'll go there. We have no problem with that. But this is not a regular rhythm. And you might think, well, this is all they talk about. No, that's not true. Uh, we just went through a whole 1 Corinthians. took a year to go through it. So it's not, that's not a regular rhythm. And you might say, oh, fine. I, they want me to give. No, we don't, actually. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, there's nothing for you to give to yet. We'd love to offer you something, a gift from God, that you could receive salvation even though you don't deserve it. That you could receive that from him. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, his work on the cross, everything you've done, past, present, and future, gets placed on the cross of Christ. All of his righteousness gets placed on your account so that God looks at you. He looks at David or Tyler. He says, I know what he's done, past, present, future, and yet I don't care. It's my perfect child. Because all he sees is the righteousness of Christ. 
you need to place your faith in Christ first. His death, his burial, his resurrection. There is great scripture. That is the methodology. When you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. When you receive that gift of God, then you're in a place to give back to God. Because you give and you love based on how you were given and you were loved. Until then, please, don't worry about that. That's not what it's about. You need to receive the gift. You'll spend the rest of your life giving back to him because you appreciate what he's done for you. For the rest of us, in fact, let me just have your bow your heads and close your eyes. You're a believer. You've been going to our church for a while. You've been in our series. We've been on this topic now for over a month. I wonder if God is trying to chip away some hard rocks, some hardness around your heart. I wonder if any of it has chipped away anything along the way. I wonder if God is trying to foster in you this question. How much has greed taken a hold of your heart? How much has greed blocked you from me? You know, we all deal with this in various seasons in our life. I can't tell you that I don't struggle with greed. Of course I do. In some seasons, I'm better at it. In some seasons, I'm not as good at it. And so the question is appropriate. What season are you in right now? Does God have your whole heart or did did the fingers of greed wrap themselves around your heart at some point? And do you need to turn that around? There's so much God wants to do with you and through you and for the kingdom of God. Somebody might look at you and say, you're the reason I'm where I'm at spiritually. I pray that you would, whatever that voice is telling your heart to do, that you would follow it. Not because we're in need, we're not in need. Quite the opposite. But because it's imperative of your heart and your spiritual walk with God. I hope you hear that. Father, we love you today. And I, I gotta say, bigger is better. All I talk about is how I drive a Prius, a 2005 Prius, and I want something else. I deal with the same thing in my own heart. Is bigger really better? Does money solve all the problems? Of course not. But sometimes we buy into these things that our society values, and we don't realize that we're buying into secularism in the process. Would you help us be content in you? Would you help us be content that your way is the best way? Would you help us look forward to a future of great reward with you rather than great reward here on this earth? Help us do it. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor David, for that message. Um, You know, Jesus said in John 14, 6, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Pastor David ended his message by explaining what it means to receive Jesus Christ, accepting his death on the cross, his payment for your sins and his offer to forgive you, putting him as first in your life and prioritizing that uh, after receiving the forgiveness um, and living for Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. If you here today and you're ready to do that, would you just let us know at the welcome counter in the lobby on the way out? Um, there's people there ready to talk with you, ask any, answer any questions, pray with you, get you a Bible if you don't have one. And if you're joining us online, you go to campcc.net, click next steps at the top of the page, and we would love to follow up with you later this week. All right. 
you know, we're going to give back to God now. It's a privilege and honor to do that. It's one of the ways we worship him, where we say, God, you're number one in all things in our life. And we want to worship you that way by being faithful to what the scriptures ask us to do. Um, we do that. And that's how all the ministry here at KMCC is supported, is through the generosity of God's people that enables us to continue doing what we do. So thank you for that. And before we move on, let's check out this video of what's coming up next. Hey, KMCC, I'm David Hurtado, your lead pastor here at KMCC. I'm so glad that you're here with us. And if you're here for your first, second, or even third time as a guest, we have some gifts for you as a thank you for hanging out with us. We'd love to be able to put a face with a name. So if you take your connection card and go to the welcome counter in the lobby and present it to them, we can give you some gifts. And if you're watching online, you can go to kmcc.net forward slash next steps and you can tell us about yourself as well we also want to say if you're new to our church or new to church in general and you don't have a bible we'd love to give you one same thing go to the welcome counter in the lobby let them know that you're new and you'd like a bible and we'd get you one i'm so excited about this fall it's a great season to invite someone to church with you co-workers neighbors friends family check us out and check us out online and maybe one day they'll be willing to sit next to you in church as well now let's check out what's happening at Camp CC. Hey, September 4th, we're starting our growth group sign-ups. They're kicking off on September 18th and the week up. Get connected, get to know others, growing your faith. It's just an eight-week commitment on your life. It's where we go family deep together. Really consider this season whether or not God's calling you to be in a group and maybe approach a new group for the first time. If you'd like more info on this, you can contact Jim Moyer at campcc.net. All right, calling all men on October 21st through the 23rd, we are having another men's retreat as a church. So KMCC men, we'd love to invite you for a weekend away in Malibu, the hills of Malibu, where Rob Oren will be teaching us about biblical manhood. Plenty of downtime, outdoor activities, games, or just relaxing. You want to visit the men's table outside on the patio for more information on that. Hey, listen, and on the last note, I'm super excited about this. Uh, we are going to be sending out a letter, and it's really a letter from me to everyone in our church. It should be going out the first couple weeks of August. It'll reference something called the Welcome Project Initiative. It's a letter from me stating how excited we are for the future of our church, where we might be going, and who might be coming because of what we do in this season. And I'm not allowed to say that much about it. In fact, I'm not supposed to spill the beans. So just expect a letter coming from me about the future of our church uh, on what can be done if God would give us favor. Be expecting that at your door in your mailbox soon. on everything that's going on at CAMCC, please consider following us on Instagram, liking us on Facebook, and you can even subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information on any of these events, please go to camcc.net. What I got out of this message for our household personally, uh, we've been out of debt for a few years, but that doesn't mean we're excused from re-examining our hearts and our minds and where we invest our time and our money. Uh, and uh, if you are here for your first, second, or third time, please don't forget to go get uh, your little gifts at the welcome counter. If you are for second or third time online, you can go to the kmcc.net slash next steps to do the same thing. And uh, don't forget to check out the video venue if you haven't yet. And please also remember to invite somebody to come to church with you next week. We would love to have them here, and we can't wait to see you next week as well. Thank you. Thank you.